Welcome to City of London Sinfonia podcast. I am Arna Margaret Jonsdottir, Marketing Assistant, and recently I, along with Elaine Baines, our Chief Operating Officer, caught up with author Hanan Al-Sheikh to talk about our upcoming event of Music and Word at South Bank Center, Queen Elizabeth Hall, on 1st of December. We discuss Hanan's adaptation and reimagining of some of the stories from 1001 Nights, and how she rediscovered the stories. So, hi. Hi. Very nice to be here at this lovely apartment. Thank you, thank you. Maybe if you can begin by telling me a bit about yourself uh, and your work. My name is Hanan Al-Sheikh. I'm a Lebanese. I lived in, uh, I was born in Lebanon, and I lived between Lebanon and, and Cairo. When I was 18 years old, I went to Cairo to study. I became a journalist and a writer. I was 18 years old when I wrote my first novel. And even before uh, 18 years old, uh, at age of 14, I knew that I wanted to be a writer. Yeah, I was writing articles here and there and everything. Um, I was living very happily in Lebanon until the civil war, 1975, which made me flee. I fled, I was so scared for my babies. My children were two years and six months old. So I fled and I came to London, 1975. And, uh, and then I went, I joined my husband uh, in Saudi Arabia. So I lived in Saudi Arabia as well for like seven years then came back to uh, to London, yeah. Uh, it was very interesting to, to even live in Saudi Arabia because I wrote a novel about the life there, all the women, how the, the, uh, um, the undercurrent uh, emancipation of women and everything. Yeah, it was very interesting. So I was wondering if you can perhaps talk a bit about the narration of 1001 Nights and how it came to being and how maybe uh, yeah. you first encountered mm. some of the stories. Yes, I was very young actually. We used to read stories. We were told this is from 1001 Nights. I don't know if, it, if they are really from 1001 Nights. Maybe they will take one episode for children and they build uh, build a story around it. Because when I started uh, uh, reading the all the actual, the Arabian Nights, 1001 Night, um, like 10 years ago, seven years ago, I didn't find the stories which I, want, which I read in childhood mm-hmm. and were claimed that they belong to 1001 Night. Um, so you can say that the first time I knew the frame of 1001 Night, the Shahrazad and the, uh, the Sultan Shahriyar and what happened and they wanted to kill her and uh, because of his wife uh, who he, he found with other men and with uh, all uh, these orgies around it and everything and he couldn't sustain it. Um, so I, um, this is one I, I was captivated by by reading 
nearly 6,000 pages because I read three editions uh, and each edition was 2,000 pages in, in Arabic. How many stories do you think there are in total from the original materials you found? I don't know. You, you can't count them. Because every story, for example, um, the story, let's say, of uh, Omar, uh, it will be one, one man, or the, or the tailor, this is very famous stories, or the, the stories of the three sisters of Baghdad. So the uh, story of Sister of Baghdad, um, each story will take you, each person who is telling the story, he will tell maybe 30 stories and so on and so on. These stories, they have no beginning and no end. And you finish uh, reading One Thousand and One Night thinking, oh, where is the end? Right. It, it, it ends with the Shahrayar, the Sultan, um, uh, marrying and having children with Shahrazad. And uh, he changed his mind. He didn't want to kill her anymore because she also humanized him. And um, so it's, it's a sea of stories, oceans I, of stories. I know that in the, the traditional story, she stops at a hiatus every night and says, oh, no, I can't tell you anymore now. Yes. I'll, I'll continue tomorrow. Did you find that because this is a continuous narrative of stories, there were natural um, stopping points in each story before the next one went on. Yes, it's uh, a cliffhanger. Cliffhanger, that's the word. <laughs> Absolutely, she she wanted us, and I I used to hear one thousand and one nights on the radio in Lebanon, when I in Beirut when I was very young. We were all captivated, but they weren't the uh, juicy stories about love or about uh, what's happening or um, the stories which were um, very violent stories. There's lots of violence as well. Yeah, but well, we, we, did, we didn't hear them. We heard uh, Aladdin and the uh, 40 Thieves, which when I read the 6,000 pages, I couldn't find them. <laughs> How interesting. Yeah, no, they weren't there. Or the flying carpet. Mm -hmm. We have no flying carpet. Yeah, it's only flying horses. So it's almost like a, a modern a retelling modern, of it the... Is, it is, yeah, it's like uh, science fiction as well. Disney Disney-fied. Disney-fied, <laughs> <laughs> Disney you're right. But, I mean, it, it started at sto storytelling. Arabian Nights from India, from Persia as well. Uh, some say uh, even China, because there is a um, there is a story about King Yunnan, and uh, Yunnan in Arabic is uh, Greece. So people assume it's also have uh, has a Greek origin, but no, Yunnan is in China. There is a place in Yunnan, a, a small village in Yunnan, and uh, yeah, I, I mean people. Travelers used to go from one place to another, and then what do, what do they do? They, they talk about stories. Oh, I was here and I heard this. And they, this is how there was no books, no newspapers, nothing. Only travelers roaming around the world. So they t tell each other stories. People sometimes wouldn't, wouldn't believe there were oceans if they are in the desert. Uh, or, you know, or the 
people who live uh, next oceans or next sea wouldn't dream that there are desert with no no uh, water whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So this exchange of travelers would you know uh, people would understand about the world. This fascination with the Thousand and One Night stories led you to write your own book of them, didn't it? Yes. Actually, uh, I never thought that I would write a book or be interested in One Thousand and One Night. Because when I was young, I was fascinated, but then I was irritated by Shahrazad a little bit. Why doesn't she kill the Sultan and finish? Why does she... Uh, why does she have to stay prisoner uh, every night, every night, every night? And I was fascinated how the uh, the academics in the Arab world thought that one thousand and one night it's the ultimate literature. And while when you read it, the uh, language is very flat mm -hmm. and ordinary. And sometimes there are so many grammar mistakes. <laughs> um, yeah, this is how I used to, unless, except one, uh, Tim Supple told me, uh, the director, Tim Supple, said, I want to do, uh, I think I want to do the Arabian Nights. I want to uh, dramatize it for the theater. Do you think you can retell it? Mm -hmm and rewrite some of the episodes and stories. I, ex I said, oh yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah, I'd like to work with you. Yeah, yes, I will. And I was fascinated. I said, shame on me. How did, how did I think that it is nothing? It is so, it, it is life itself. Mm -hmm. It's life itself. It, it has everything, everything. I mean, it teaches us humans how to live, how to think. I mean, all the codes of humanities and the society, how the society should be, it's all written there in the Arabian Nights. But this is um, the research you did with the original stories, not the anodyne children's stories no. you heard as a child. Oh, yeah, no, of course. The original stories, which weren't supposed to read, maybe because um, because they're daring, they're very explicit, they're uh, violent, lots of violence in them, and at the same time, it was lit in a way political. The way they talk about the uh, dictators, mm -hmm. dictators like kings and. Uh, uh, and the viziers, ministers, they were very uh, harsh. Mm. And at the same time, they talk explicit about life, uh, about uh, sexuality, about love. And there are, it's amazing that they have all this combination that beasts, animals, human beings, jinns, they all understand each other and they all live with each other. Yeah, there was a woman who was in love with a bear and she would get him food and he, he, he loved her. <laughs> and also the phantoms uh, and, uh, and the jinns. Jinns would be very uh, 
they uh, they would have either relationship with human beings or conversation or it's amazing and all you you don't you don't uh, stop and ask yourself it can't be no it can be all this all the world evolves with each other all the creatures or phantoms it's 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 amazing. <laughs> what do you think the the most important thing that the the stories of Thasmon Arabian Nights tells us? Um, it is showing us how to live our daily lives full of insights and moral and social values and rules and and law without the influence of religion, but derived from first hand experience. So there's no hint of religion in the Not stories at all. At all. It's not at all. It is very interesting. This is what I thought when I finished every single story. I would, I remember, would write, no religion. The second story, no religion. It's amazing. I had, if you see my copybook, <laughs> my my notes book, all no religion, no religion. I was fascinated. When we first spoke about the project yeah. some months ago, um, I gave you the choice of which movement you'd like to write a story for. Yes. And um, you pick the young prince and the young princess. Yes. Can you tell us why you chose that movement? Were you inspired by listening to the music when you wrote your story? Yes, I was. I was listening to the music. It has like a um, serial tempo to it. It has like I felt that there is the air is lifting someone, the wind is lifting someone, and I thought of the prince and the princess, the way their lives were uh, intervened with each other only by by jinns uh, taking them from one place to another. So yeah, I I felt um, that the movement and the music could take the prince and the princess can unite them finally by by being transported by the jinns in the sky and um, for hours and hours between china and persia the um i i loved reading your story there's a magical realism to it uh, in as you say, in this world where jinns and humans exist quite happily and talk mm-hmm. to each other, and um, there's um, you have a beautiful lyricism that draws you further and further into the story. That you have to keep reading; you can't stop. You need to know what is going to happen next, and that is very much like Scheherazade's storytelling. <laughs> when I started being translated into uh, from Arabic to English and other languages. Um, I was nicknamed the modern Shahrazad. I don't know, I thought maybe because I'm an Arab and this is in the West for them, women writers, they are like Shahrazad. Mm -hmm. This is what I thought. So stereotyping. Stereotyping. I didn't like that. Mm -hmm. But then I said, when I read 1001 Night, I said, oh my God, I should be... I should have been so proud that they nicknamed me the um, modern Shahrazad. Um, yes, I think in a way I felt I, I'm, I'm her and I want to, when I want 
to retell the story. I can't be like a modern writer in living in my century and and writing about episodes in the past in a modern way of writing. Uh, so in a way I adopted her way of thinking and of telling the stories. But to, to think about it, it's amazing that this um, uh, Arabian Nights, they have uh, the flashbacks, it's so modern, it's magic realism. They invented it. Yes. Not, it's amazing. It, they invented magic realism. The themes are universal, aren't they? Universal. They're true today as they were uh, before, in the past. Yeah, in the past. I, I remember thinking when I was reading them profoundly, uh, how I was taught that every single story it echoes the frame of the Arabian Nights, the frame which is the uh, Sultan and Shahrazad, because he w wants he wanted to kill every woman and he is not killing her, and she has to prove to him to him that what he was doing is wrong. She didn't tell. She didn't dare telling him that. She was getting and telling him stories which echoed her situation because many people, uh, in many characters in the uh, Arabian Nights were depending on their story to convince whoever wants to kill them to release them and give them their freedom and not, not to be killed. It's amazing, how did, how did they think, our ancestors, of this combination? It's magic realism. Mm -hmm. Why do you think these stories have inspired so many writers, poets, composers? What is it about them, because do you think? They, because they are magnificent, yeah. magnificent story. I mean, everyone, all writers, what, what do we write about? About life our lives, the lives of others, about, about humanity, about wars, about peace, about everything, you know, freedom. And there are all these subjects in the Arabian Nights, all of them. And you, you, you learn from them, you learn how to live, you learn how to, to be human. You learn how to, and I think, for example, um, Shahrayar, the Sultan, he wasn't killing, I realized later, after I finished reading 6,000 pages, I realized that he loved women so much he didn't hate them. Because his wife betrayed him, uh, he was so upset because, why? Because he loved her. He, he loved her so much. So in a way, when he was killing all these women, he was saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. But he didn't know how to be just and how to be honorable and how to be human. He became, he became like an animal, he, his instinct. And maybe also uh, he thought, I'm the king, and how dare she do this to me? Yeah. 
is also self-importance. But it, but deep down, it was his love. So I think I couldn't but understand the way he loved Shahrazad because she, in a way, humanized him and took him by the hand to his old self to be loving and to be a just king. And every single story, this is, this is how the ending was. Does God always triumph over evil in stories? Yes, always, always, always. Amazing, yeah, always. And it's not like cliche, they show you why. They show why and, um, and they give you stories. They convinced you. Sometimes they brainwash you, <laughs> all these stories. <laughs> they brainwash you that you have to be really good to survive yes. and to be good to others and to be just, uh, to have a, uh, a certain justice all the time. You have to put yourself in the shoe of the other person whom you want to kill or you want to uh, set uh, free. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. So what do you think audience can expect at the event? Well, I think you're going to have two kinds of audiences. Mm -hmm. um, music lovers and storytelling lover yeah. <laughs> lovers. Yeah, both. Yeah. Yes, and uh, it's amazing how composer could um, uh, insp be inspired by by stories, by uh, fictions, and um, yeah, this is how it is. Like for example, there are many writers who cannot write without listening to music. Hmm. Um, they they become very inspired by music as well when they when they write. The music will take them um, so, somewhere far, and it opens to them. Um, lots of imagination. They can see stories. They can see stories. They can invent characters by listening to, to music. I remember when I was a child listening to One Thousand and One Night. The um, the music uh, was an Arabic music. Hmm. It's, it was amazing. It is about the um, One Thousand and One Night. And then immediately when I hear the music, I would hear the hustle and bustle of the markets mm -hmm. and um, the, uh, the sounds of people and uh, Shahrazad telling the story very calmly, uh, very effectively. And I would, uh, especially at the end when she gets so tired and in a sexy way and she would say, Mawlai, my king, and she, want to, she wants to sleep. She was pretending that she is so exhausted and she wants to sleep. And even her words were musical when she used to say, my king, that she, she is so tired. And then the music starts charging, the same music which started the episode. It will end with the same music. It was captivating. So it's going to be a feast for the ears for the audience to both Absolutely. listen to the stories and hear together. Music. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, together. Yeah, together, yeah. Imagine something when listening to the music and painting mm -hmm. some pictures.
Mm. Excellent. At the concert, authors Ruth Padel, DPC Peer, Dalshid Nagra, and Hanan Al Sheikh respond to one of the greatest masterpieces of the Arabic world, 1001 Nights, and one of the most hypnotic works for orchestra, Shiharasat by Rimsky Korsakov. Shiharasat takes place at South Bank Center, Queen Elizabeth Hall, on 1st of December at 3 pm. You can find out more on cls.co.uk. Thanks for listening.